0: So, I just watched Alicia Keys perform the Moonlight Sonata by Beethoven at Kobe Bryant's memorial inside Staples Center. And as soon as Alicia Keys was uh, introduced to play this piece, I couldn't help but think about my professor, Jeff Anderson, because I've known Malisha Keys as a performer, a musician, an artist, but I never knew that she had piano skills as what she displayed at the memorial. And when I think about what I have done in narrating Jeff's syllabus, I think of Jeff as <laughs> the Beethoven and myself as an artist that, uh, actually just simply a student that's trying to pay for the many lessons and wisdom and knowledge that Jeff has conveyed to me over the years. and. If any of you have had taken a class by Jeff, you will know that he truly believes deeply behind all of the elements in his syllabus and in his writing through his teaching and through his communication with his students.
1: Portions of Jeff's syllabus is this focus on learning. And it proceeds to define learning into three different components. This definition is actually a modified version of a um, definition written by five different authors in the book How Learning Works Seven Research Based Principles of Smart Teaching. And this definition has also been single-handedly the most influential and beneficial definition to my life at this point, and uh, I'd like to give credit where credit is due. I, I believe that had I not taken Jeff's course and had I not experienced the joy and enthusiasm energy that Jeff brings into the classroom all while teaching math, a subject that I did not excel at by any means, I wouldn't have seen this definition in the way that I see it now. So I like to break it down a little bit for this audience in hopes of having you all think about this work learning in a different light. I never knew even existed. So the first component of the definition is that learning is change, right? Learning is a process that leads to change. Um, At this moment in my life, I've come across some new responsibilities such as having to think about the next 10 to 20 years, for not only myself but for my parents. Um, I grew up without spending a lot of time with my parents due to circumstances in my family and having them uh, running business in China so now they are transitioning to potentially spend more time in the state but they lack a sense of purpose and direction this country due to the factor of reason. Uh, So, when I think about this first component that learning is a process of change, it's very easy for me to fall into the trap of being a son to say that, you know, they're my parents, right? So, if they're on this process of changing, like, what can I do to help them through a cult, kind of a pivotal moment in their lives and it's been really challenging but I I draw on the second component of this definition of learning, which is that this change um, unfolds into four subparts of our lives. Our knowledge, our beliefs, our behaviors, and our attitudes. If I think about each of these four subparts so of change in my parents' lives and in my life, I can realize this grand task in helping my parents find direction and build a new skill or develop a new tool set to thrive and find meaning in this economy for the next 10 or 20 years of their lives, it's a much more manageable task, right? If I can think about how can I change my parents' beliefs, what can I do to change the behavior of um, myself? including my parents, are there specific things that I can do in terms of my behavior to influence this beliefs? And then how about attitude? Like, what is the attitude that they're coming uh, at this task? With? What is my attitude that I'm coming about this task? With? And then what is it that we are lacking in our knowledge to uh, overcome this? knowledge barriers that we're having as a family to be able to help each other establish goals and make them exciting and manageable. And then the last component is that, of the, the definition of learning is that it's not something done to someone. So in this case, it's not something done to my parents not something done to me, but rather something that we have to do ourselves. I think when I think about this last component really critically, I will realize that I can't force someone to see from my perspective. I can't be someone to do what I know is most ranked most rational and most reasonable. But what I can do is help and guide and encourage someone, in this case my parents, along this journey of finding meaning. So I just want to say put a bit of emphasis on this definition and to give a explicit example of how this definition has been influential to me. And really there has been research shown that if you don't repeat things more than seven times now, it doesn't really stick. I, I think we see many CEOs or leaders of today um, say they value Say they value cooperation. But the true leaders that embody that those values are ones that not only repeat that value so much so that their workers can actually do impersonations of them, <laughs> perhaps presenting the fact that they value these things, but so much so that they really live in. Right, and this definition of learning, I have thought for about a year now, and it, it took me many, many months to me to help me actually realize what this just really meant. Um, but now that I have marinated on this, this definition and tried to apply this definition to my own mind, in many realms. It's been absolutely rewarding, so thank you all for tuning in on this uh, expansion of Focus on Learning. This is the Learning Code.
0: Episode I spoke a bit about how research has shown if you do not repeat things, people will not remember or people will not believe that we actually fundamentally believe what we are saying. So, I'd like to talk about a second example of how this definition of learning. Has changed the way I've seen things. And this one's more of a um, student context. The previous episode was about um, helping navigate my parents and their next chapter in their lives. But when I think about three components of learning, one being that it's a process that leads to change. Two, being that that change unfolds uh, differences in knowledge, beliefs, behaviors, and attitudes. And three, that it is not something done to me, but rather something I do for myself. I think about the lecture of vector fields that Jeff Anderson gave in his multivariable calculus course. For those who are turned away or feel like multivariable calculus, what is that? Or I hate math, or this is not for me. I'd like to just say that math is really nothing but another language um, and a form of language that allows professionals or students or anyone that knows this language to communicate complex or not so complex ideas in its own way. So in this lecture, Jeff went about vector fields and I remember he would either wave his hand in the air or blow into the air and he would ask the class, did you all see that? And then he would have a big smile on his face and say that I just created a vector field and uh, it's probably permeating throughout the class and we might not be able to feel it like our sensory parts of our body isn't sensitive enough to feel it unless we're really close to him But he did in fact create a vector field. So when it comes to knowledge, one of the four sub components of learning is knowledge. I, I understand that to some extent now of what vector fields are. When it comes to beliefs um I know from my understanding and my new knowledge that there are vector fields all around me when I'm walking by someone, I move my body, or even when I'm trying to stay as stationary as possible, the fact that my body is moving in some way, as long as my heart's beating, I am actually creating vector fields. Um, My behaviors will for those who know me, they know that I have a really sensitive smell. So, if I were to set uh, my binder on down on a dusty de- desk, it would uh, create <laughs> this this force of me putting my binder down, um, and that force would create these vector fields of dust coming off the table and that would irritate my sinuses so in fact creating that significant learning for myself makes me consider uh, my behaviors a little bit differently and the fourth subcomponent is attitudes Um, I feel as now that I have some understanding of vector fields. My attitude, towards, my attitude towards communicating what vector fields are to people who either don't know what they are or do know what they are, have completely changed, right? It, it used to be just two words that um, kind of work on its own, right, a vector is a vector, and a field is a field. There's already many definitions of just those two words, but in, in to put together in the context of math, there is actually quite a robust meaning. And while this definition of vector fields is not something I came to by myself, as I was largely inspired by my teacher, the professor Jeff. I would say that I've definitely spent some time outside the classroom thinking about what this definition means and, and how it relates to my own life and I can probably list another dozen examples of detector vector fields that do matter in my life as I'm driving, as I'm walking, as I'm closing the fridge, as I'm opening up my laptop, like I literally see it around me which is kind of exciting. So. To follow up on (laughs) how repetition and um, revisiting ideas is important, this is my second example of um, making the definition of learning useful in my life. Stay tuned on The Learning Code, this is just the beginning. College is marketed as a formal education system that accelerates the ascent to prosperity in the pursuit of happiness. This is one of the reasons that so many students are willing to invest the money, time, and energy necessary to earn a college degree. The promise of riches at the end of the road seems worth the suffering in the short term. College provides a clear path to upward social mobility. To achieve a better life, one must enjoy the economic opportunity. A path to increasing such an opportunity is to earn a college degree. The good news is that each college lays out well defined degree requirements consisting of a list of required classes. Each class further sets out a list of covered topics and required assignments that will be graded by the instructors. In addition, The instructor defines passing and failing grades and usually provides said definition somewhere in their syllabus. This whole structure transforms a very complex problem, namely, how an individual can enjoy freedom by increasing her own wealth into a process that is much easier to define, which is the process of earning a college degree. The problem with this entire narrative is that not all students begin at the same place and not all work produces the same results. Here's a simple example of what I mean. Suppose two students attempting to pass their first exam in a calculus one class. Student one takes the following approach. In order to pass the exam, she will read and reread the textbook for 20 hours continuously without a break. This activity surely represents hard work Student 2 approaches the problem from a different angle. In a set of five separate 60-minute problem-solving sessions, student 2 actively tests herself on problems that are representative of the type of questions that will be on the test. After each attempt, she checks her work, corrects her mistakes, and then makes notes to indicate how she can improve. This assumption is troubled because the majority of college students don't necessarily know how to navigate the culture of college. In order to craft well-designed study strategies that are customized to the college culture in the United States, students need to be able to accurately assess the challenges they face. This is a hard feat to accomplish if both your parents, your grandparents, your aunts and family and friends, and all college, are all college graduates with various bachelors and graduate degrees. Many of these people can help you foresee the challenges you will face in each year of college and offer suggestions for strategies you might use conquer said strategies. However the reality is not the case for the majority of students I'm in classes with. As a computer science and humanities student, I aspired to be a community college or state school educator to equip my students with the skills they need to solve the demanding problems our societies face, such as income inequality and racism.